0: They are just rough drafts. A glimpse of what is to come because God is still at work, writing plot twists, introducing new characters, and bringing good even from the most challenging circumstances. Join us as we see what God is up to in our stories. Here's your host, Matthew Hyatt.
1: Proverbs 1722 says, a cheerful heart is good medicine. And our guest today is a mega dose. Uh, I believe that laughter today is a spiritual gift. Psalms 2 verse 4 says, the one who rules in heaven laughs. And I think sometimes he's laughing at us, but I think a lot of times he's laughing with us too. So today uh, we get to spend time together with someone who always makes me laugh. I suspect she is going to have the most fun funeral on record, Uh, although I'm not in a hurry for it. Are you ready to hear more? She's She's been in youth ministry, in jail ministry, and all kinds of ministry. Uh, I don't know if belly dancing was ever a ministry or not, but she did a little of that, too. As far as I can tell, everything she's ever done has been a ministry. So, Carol, Granny Todd, I am glad you're here with us today. Well, thank you. Are you excited about this? No.
0: <laughs> yes, I
2: am. <laughs> um, you were talking about my funeral, so everyone's invited. We're serving popcorn. And then... All my grandchildren are going to get up and do a line dance to Fancy Like. Um, Also, they're going to have Chick-fil-A. And then my oldest daughter will throw the flowers at the guests and tell who's next, whoever catches them.
1: We're not doing a garter toss, though, right? No. Okay.
2: Um, The only thing is there is one man that cannot see me naked that works there, and I made sure they wrote that down.
1: Okay. I mean, I'll say his name. Go ahead. Travis Plotzer. Right. Okay.
2: I don't want him to see me naked.
1: But you're okay with Tommy Marvin looking at you. That's what i Yeah, I don't here. care about him. <laughs> He's seen it all before. <laughs> so why do you want your funeral to be so awesome?
2: Because life should be good, should be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going someplace great. I just wish I would see it. You know, I did want to do the Jack in the Box, but they said that would terrorize my great-grandchildren, you know, where they sit you up and...
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: they, they discouraged that.
1: Well, I think it's not too late to change the plan and bring that back.
2: <laughs> well, maybe. Um, most of my things with, I don't know whether you'd call it the church or with congregations, have been really interesting. Uh, my father used to drop me off at church when I was about eight years old. Um, nobody went with me. I went by myself. And I'm really old, so he gave me 10 cents for the collection plate. And I found out that with 10 cents, you could buy two fudge sickles. So something happened that I never went in, and I would run down the street, buy two fudge sickles, sit in the phone booth and eat them, then run back up and get a ride home. So it was pretty good Sunday mornings. And then they figured it out. Oh, no. Yeah, I couldn't go anymore.
1: So you just stopped getting to go to church because they found out about your racket?
2: Yeah. So then at 12, I decide to be a nun. I am going to be a nun. I knew I was. And at 13, I found boys. Oh. oh, my. Wasn't that a real eye-opener?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so so is that what ruined the nun dream?
2: Oh, yes. Why did you want to be a nun? I don't know. I guess I thought I was supposed to. I
1: not <laughs> I thought maybe you liked the, the outfit. I don't know.
2: Oh, isn't that awful? That was at 12. 13 was boys. 14. I spent weeks of the summer at my aunt's house. And there were three bedrooms upstairs, and they were near a, one bathroom that was in the house. So they gave me my cousin's room, and then there was my aunt's room, and then there was the grandfather's room. Well, I got up to go to the bathroom, and there, behold... I saw something I never knew existed. There was the priest in his tidy whiters. Oh, no. I was sure he came in that gown. I just. And then I realized where he was coming from the ants
1: room. Oh, no.
2: Okay, we're swearing off religion forever now.
1: So that's not a real long journey from I want to.
2: Be a nun. Uh, it,
1: so we years. started with I'm skipping church for the for the fudge sickles. I'm gonna be a nun to swearing off religion. That's a whole lifetime of religious experience in three yes, years. Yes, it was. <laughs>
2: so then I, I waited uh we studied for a while with Jehovah's Witness and with Mormons and with Baptist and Salvation Army. All of them were interesting. Um The reason I started uh, having the study with the uh, Jehovah's Witness was (laughs) this young man came to the door. It was his first knocking, and he was talking about um, evolution, and it just worked out. I know God has a sense of humor. We lived in a double house, and the people next door had relatives up from Florida, and they owned a chimpanzee. So I looked at this guy, and I said, hang on a minute. And I knock on the door next door, and I said, Sandy, can you bring out Jackie? Can I borrow your chip? I. She says, sure. So she comes out with him, and I look at the guy, and I point at the monkey, and I point at me, and I said, now, don't be smart, but don't we look a lot alike?
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: His first door knocking, he went back and told everybody, yeah. you know. I think he was about ready not to be a witness anymore. <laughs>
1: you, you deconverted your first evangelist. So so not only did you lose your religion. <laughs>
2: yeah, he did, too. So anyway, some lady came back. So we took the study with them for a year, but realized how different their Bible is than ours. So none of those worked. So I decided to start reading for myself. And... Matthew's probably gonna get upset with this. I go to all the Bible classes, but I don't always believe in them. I think God wrote that book for me to understand. All the other stuff is just little technology. It's, It's not important. It tells me exactly what I'm supposed to do and where I'm supposed to go and what I'm supposed to do with it.
1: We make it too complicated.
2: Yes, it gets too complicated. So a man came to my house with diamonds on his fingers. We moved to Tennessee from up north. And I had been reading. I knew I had to be baptized and emerged. And I had been baptized as a baby. You know, I had all the little godparents and all that stuff. But they were all weird people anyway. Anyhow, <laughs> I didn't want to go to this man's church. He had too many diamonds on. So then a humble man came. And and he knew we were there because the people we rented from had been in his church. And we went to his And then with a Bible study, we were finally baptized. 11 o'clock at night, I think it was, and I was skipping out of that place. I really felt great. But I didn't realize I had put more of my trust in the man than I did in Christ. Mm. Uh, We had a little problem with an elder there that took us for a lot of money. But it happened, and and it broke my heart, and God came through and helped us and sent us some money so we could move, and it was perfect. And then I had one lie to me, and I know you're not supposed to go for people or anything, so by then I had gotten that point. I am not here for these people, but I couldn't worship under someone that lied to me. So we moved again <laughs> yeah and i'm enjoying where i am and in psalms i think it's 118:8 can you quote that
1: no. or don't you know i'm not a good preacher you should know that i've I'd...
2: got it on a piece of paper okay
1: oh, good, yeah. good i was pulling up my bible app
2: it says it is better to trust in the lord than to put confidence in man oh wow and I, now that i've learned that i do so much better yeah um I want to go somewhere where I like the people, of course, but that's not the most important thing. That is not the most important thing. I think all of those things all the way through brought me to this realization.
1: So, you know, I was visiting with a person in their 20s. I need to be vague the same way you needed to be vague just then. Um, He's not coming to church a lot, and he talked about somebody at church who has said and done some ugly things, and, and this young man's line was, I don't want to be any part of an organization that thinks that so-and-so is a stand-up guy. And, I mean, I, I understood mm-hmm. exactly where he was coming from. You know, it, it reflected poorly on the church. Uh, but the thing that I tried to say to him and that I have to say to myself sometimes is, if I quit and if I give up on this, we're handing it over to the crazy people. We're handing it over to the bad people. And what we're doing is too darn important to give up on
2: um but i could have someone now long as it wasn't someone that i was under their eldership but was just someone in the church can tell me some story and i know it and i don't care yeah it's not important
1: yeah leadership matters yes awful that
2: lot. does matter so what's uh give me give me
1: the carol todd story all right you just gave me the very beginning and you gave me the very end but what's the good juicy stuff in the middle oh no
2: yeah <laughs> I had a blast. I was the wild child. My sister was the good one. I think I told you earlier, I used to bite her to see if I could make her swear. And she wouldn't do it.
1: We're seated four feet apart so you can't reach me with your teeth. (laughs) I know people can't see it, but I need to make sure they knew. I'm scooting backwards (laughs) as we're talking.
2: Uh, Just things, I was a meanie. Uh, And she was not. I had a cousin, I love this. My mother used to go out and kill the chickens and pluck them and all that stuff, and I would get the windpipe. And this, this cousin was a boy. He was a sissy. <laughs> and I'd knock him down and sit on him and snap the windpipe on his cheeks.
1: Kind of like a rubber band? Or- yeah. They oh, they amazing. snap. They're cool. Are they really? Yeah.
2: And of course, he was already sick because he watched the chicken run around <laughs> with no head and all that stuff. He was a real sissy.
1: <laughs> oh, I may be a sissy, too. But that, that's, a, that's another conversation for another day. Hey, how did you get the name Granny Todd? Because there are hundreds, if not thousands, of people who don't know your first name. So how
2: did you end up as Granny? How did I get Granny? The youth group did that. Uh, Um, Most of them didn't know how really old I was. Um, Tom only resigned from that, what, a year ago? Yeah. I'll be 81 this year. That's great-granny at this point, you know. I wasn't going to bring it up. It is. Um, I have 16 grandchildren, and I have four great-grandchildren, two of which are in high school. One's going to graduate this year, a great-grandchild. You could have great-greats
1: before long.
2: Yes. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. And have a picture of us all together. Oh, how cool. I would love that.
1: So tell me about youth ministry. How did you end up in that role?
2: Oh, I started with someone else, not Tom. Um, <laughs> it's a young man that was young and not married, and uh, so he had no female counterpart to help him. Right. So that's why I did it. Um, he left the church completely. He moved away to Nashville. Actually, he was gay. <laughs> you want to edit it?
1: No, you're good. Okay. <laughs> We're telling the truth around here at the store. You know, that's the thing about our stories. They're, they're not clean. They're not easy. They're not always sanitary. You know, they they are what they are.
2: Well, then another man took over, and his wife worked, and she didn't have time. Okay. So I kind of stuck with him and helped him. I did the cooking because we had a Wednesday after school program that the kids could come after school from any church or no church, and we would do a—, a An activity of some kind, a community service, and then they could eat, and they could either go home or go to the services that night. And uh, so he needed a cook. Or sometimes we'd go on trips, and I'd go with them. Uh, His wife could go on the retreats and things because she would take the time off, and I didn't do that. And then Tom came. No, another couple came along, and we were in Florida at a food show. And the elders called and said, are you going to be here for Wednesday program? I said, no, we're in Florida at a food show. And they said, well, you're the youth leaders now. (laughs) Oh, well, what happened to the other people? They're on vacation permanently. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's how it happened. And um, we had more fun. We did crazy stuff. And I enjoyed all the kids. I don't think there was any I didn't really like at all. Not any.
1: What's a favorite memory from youth work?
2: Oh, I think Aaron telling Tom in class. He leaned back in the chair. He always did that, and he scared me. I thought it was going to fall out from under him. Aaron Rumford? Yes, he leaned back, and he told him, you know that's a lot of BS, Papa. And Tom looked at him and said, do you know what BS means, Aaron? He goes, of course, black spider. <laughs> Pretty smart boy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so what was he What was he calling BS on?
2: Something Tom was teaching in class. Oh, yes. And then there was the time that Lucas fell through the ceiling in the girls' bathroom.
1: Wait, Lucas uh, Pickard. Uh, Pickard?
2: He climbed up in there and crawled across.
1: Do I want to know why?
2: He said it was a lock-in, but I don't remember that. And that they were just scaring the girls. Now, you don't just peek through the bathroom and scare girls, so I don't care what he says. That one was pretty good.
1: We're going to have to get him on the next uh, episode of this so that he can <laughs> yeah. give his, his defense of yeah. that story. Do you think Morgan knows that story yet? Yes, she
2: does. Okay. We told it at small groups. And she said, I knew he did that. <laughs> so that was good.
1: So you're famous for something else, too. Yeah. Um, You have a unique way that you end almost all of your studies and classes in the jail. Are you still doing that, or did you take it out?
2: Yeah, we do the hokey pokey.
1: The hokey pokey.
2: Yeah. If it's with women, I don't do it with the men's class.
1: I mean, we can't have transgender hokey pokeyism going on (laughs) How did that get started?
2: Because they always seem so down, and I wanted them to laugh. So I thought, they're going to leave here happy, one way or another. You know, And usually I'll ask if any of them... uh, Mind if we say a prayer before we leave too. And usually nobody does. I've had one time that somebody said, I'd rather you didn't. And I said, okay. Yeah. You know, and then we do the hokey pokey. I make sure I do a couple belly dance moves, and I'm about I don't know, 60 pounds heavier than I was then. So it's really interesting. Even I would laugh at it. You know, they all laugh.
1: Well, I mean, Sometimes I think people think that laughing is being flippant or frivolous or not taking life seriously. But I I really kind of think it's the opposite. I mean, I think there is enough in the world that is absurd. The right response to absurdity is laugh. Yeah. And there's moments for dead serious, sure. Yeah. But, I mean, there's an awful lot of moments to laugh.
2: Well, people ask me about the funeral thing. You know, are you really serious? And I say, yes, I'm serious. You go there and how awful to sit through everybody coming in, looking at your old, dead, shriveled face.
1: She looks just like herself.
2: Yeah, she looks <laughs> so good. Uh-huh, no I don't, I died, you know. And then sit there and cry, we don't wanna do that. Let's let's have a, you know, treat people really good while you're here, because you may never see them again.
1: You know, uh, I want people to cry at my funeral because I want to have been the sort of person they're gonna miss. So I want him to cry a little bit, but Ah. I want him to laugh even more because they live in. Yeah, I I want to have been this. I I have missed people I've lost, and I want to think that I left the sort of life that you care was gone. I
2: won't be here, so
1: well you won't care. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it's pretty stormy right now. This could be. I like it. Take out both of us.
2: Wouldn't that have been a
1: poop? (laughs) (laughs) That could be the best episode of the show ever. Nobody ever is going to listen to this sort of thing. (laughs) Now, Carol, you know why you and I don't get to hang out a ton, right?
2: No.
1: Because we would get arrested.
2: We would get in trouble.
1: Oh, so very much. (laughs) We've had a lot of fun at camps over the years. Oh, yeah. Sitting in the back of serious events, elbowing each other. (laughs) You know.
2: And I went to one of uh, Matthew's classes at, what was it, CYC or Evangelism University? Uh, maybe, yeah. I fell asleep before he started talking. That was interesting.
1: <laughs> Ask me how bothered I was. <laughs> I wasn't, you know. Uh, you know, some days you just, you need a nap. Yeah. And if you've ever been on a trip with a youth group, uh-huh. you need a nap on day two.
2: And what is wrong with these people that take kids to camp and let them take a nap? You don't do that, not if you ever want to sleep.
1: Yeah, Carol is known uh, as the nap Nazi of church camps. Yeah. She she does not believe in naps at all, um, <laughs> and I can appreciate that uh, that perspective. So you know, we've laughed a lot. We've talked a lot about laughter, but life has had some really tough moments. Mm-hmm. Um, are you are you okay with talking about some of those, um, or do you want to talk about how you got through some of those, or, or what's your story there?
2: Well, let's see, my oldest son works for the um, help center because he doesn't have to have lots of money. His kids are grown now. Um, I grew up with him. I was 17 when he was born. I got married when I was 16. Had him at 17, separated at 18, and divorced by 19. Biggest mistake anybody could ever make. Uh, I didn't take it seriously, nor did he. And I feel sorry for him because he was only a kid, too. Um, Both of us have remarried. uh, And this year, it's 51 or 2 years for us. And I think his is longer. Wow. Uh, And that's what we should have done to begin with. Mm -hmm. Uh, My mother was afraid that We were doing things we weren't supposed to, so she wanted me married, and that's what I did. Well, then my next one down is my daughter that lives in Knoxville, and she's a caterer, and she's great at it. She's really good. Uh, She was a great mom. She's the craziest kids I've ever met. Two of them came to my house for Christmas in dinosaur suits. Now, I don't understand it, but I just said hi. What's
1: not to understand about that? It's amazing.
2: Oh, yeah. You
1: know what you've got to do? You've got to show up next time in your own dinosaur suit. That would be a good idea. And I have one. Do you? I do. Oh, that would be fun. Let's do it. Yeah. All right, it's a date.
2: Okay. Okay, then my next one was Chantel. Chantel and I went everywhere together. Um, She had the kindest heart. She had the biggest heart. Uh, she adopted a mentally handicapped child that lives with me now because Chantel overdosed in 2012, 2012 and passed away. Uh, for the first two years, I lied about it. I told people that she had a, a stroke, which she did, but it was because she took too much stuff that was like Prozac. Um uh, It took the church to get me over that and people. They really came through when that happened. Uh, You made the pictures. That was funny.
1: You and I had a good time making that (laughs) slideshow.
2: Yeah, it was fun. Oh, and by the way, at my funeral, you're only getting Snapchat pictures. Matthew's going to do them. There'll be one family picture. That's it. But anyway, then my next one down, Arianne, is a... A personal trainer and a nutritionist. She writes me lists that, obviously, I ignore because I'm large. <laughs> and my last one down is a preacher in Florida, and he was having no children and has six, uh, two biological and four adopted. He adopted all the meth babies. Wow, his three of his are meth babies. No. Um. I can't say I have a favorite there. No, yeah, I can't.
1: And again, this is audio, so you can't see the look on her face right now, <laughs> and she's not hooked to a polygraph. But I, I need you to know that if Carol is smiling, you just don't know what you might be getting. I think is, is the point here. Um, so one thing people may not know is you and Tom have had foster kids in and out of your house.
2: We ever through the state we had thirty at different times. What got you into that? Ah, the church. Okay. Uh, One of our kids in the youth group, his mother went away and left him home at 15 with a car in the driveway and keys hanging on the wall. Um, He took the car and went to a friend's house and had a few beers. And driving home on a country road with no lights, there was a drunk man in the middle of the road and he hit him. Um, they put him on life support, so he was alive for a while. Uh, I went to church, and somebody told us to go to the jail and just walk in like we knew where we were going and walk to the back, and we'd find him. So we did.
1: Tornado warning. For here? Fun, yeah. You want st- I don't know. Do you want to stop, or you want to just meet Jesus? You want to sing? I'll fly away while we do this. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> All right, We'll keep on going. So you went back to the jail. You act like you knew what was happening.
2: Yeah. And we visited with him. Um, he had a lawyer and the lawyer didn't go to the accent scene, didn't measure anything, didn't look at anything. So my daughter, Sean, and I went and she laid in the road and I measured and we figured out what happened and Ah, uh, then they took the man off life support. So he was put in um, thr. They had in uh, Charlotte at that time. It was for kids. Oh, okay. And uh, the church collected money for him to be released, but his mom spent it. I oh, don't know, or something. I don't know what happened. But we went to his court meeting that day. And we were listening, and the lawyer asked, could he be let out on his own recognizance? And they said, no. He said, what if I have a family that'll take him? And they said, all right, who's the family? And he said, the Todd's. Well, at that, Tom's jaw dropped. So did mine. We didn't even know. So they said, yes. Well, then they took us aside after we said we'd take him and said if he left our yard in any way, shape, or form, other than to drive to church and directly back, that I would go to jail for six months, and when I got out, Tom would go for six months.
1: Well, that's fine.
2: And both of us worked.
1: So, um, did you go to jail? No. Okay, I'm glad that worked out that we way. We talked
2: to him. He stayed there. Um, even after he was out of it and done, he asked, could he continue to live there, and we let him. He went to... Uh, caving one day and brought me a bat and a sock. I mean, I got such great gifts from these kids. And then we had one that painted everybody's clothes blue in the closet. Then we had one that peed in the fish tank and killed all the...
1: (laughs) Peed in the fish tank.
2: Yes. And it killed the guppies that were
1: in there. But when you tell the story, though, it's almost like you never set out to do this. No. You just sort of...
2: Just fell into it.
1: So, I mean, what What's the lesson there? What's the what's the takeaway? I mean, when you reflect back on that, what do you think?
2: Well, all the boys that we met at that time, their home lives were terrible. We only took boys that committed crimes and couldn't go home. Yeah. And we found them through the group home that they sent our first one to.
1: That would be the Burns tornado siren going off. Yeah. Well, that's fine.
2: I think we ought to stop.
1: Let's pause this and come back. Okay. Okay, after that TV timeout, we're back. Um, Do we need a proof of life? No. I'm here, Here. here. I'm here. There were no tornadoes. The church building didn't uh, blow away.
2: We don't know how my dog did. We think she peed in the dining room by now because there was a lot of thunder.
1: Yeah. In fact, we even had a nice family from church. Uh, uh, Larry and Donna Hyatt came up to hide in the basement with us and they brought a cat.
2: Yes, there was a big fat cat. It was.
1: It's a good day. So before we uh, broke up, that's not the right word.
2: No. Before we broke out, that would be like a jail. That's jail. Mm. Broke out.
1: Tom got locked in the jail during this is what... Yes. Lovely. Just the place you want to be stuck. <laughs> I guess it helps with empathy. You can really understand what <laughs> others are going through. How they feel. That's right. Uh, before we paused, uh, you are talking about the foster kids you've had and that experience and... You've had some stories.
2: Yeah. We had one paint everybody's clothes blue. And I told you about the one that peed in the fish tank. And I had one that once he grew out of it and everything, he just had emotional problems with his family. And he, uh, I kept his money. He worked at Pizza Hut. And uh, I had gotten him a little place to stay at a friend's. Um, it was like a one-room House. It had a kitchen, and then you went upstairs, which was a ladder, and you slept on this place upstairs. Uh, The bathroom was a completely different building. It wasn't an outhouse, it had a shower and everything and a toilet, but it was just in another building. And he asked me for his money to go, some money, to go visit his mother. And it just kind of ticked me off because I knew if he went with his mother, he was going down there to get high. Mm -hmm. And I said that. I said, you're going to waste all your money. And he said, no, I'm not. So I said, here, take it all. And I gave him all the money. And the next day, I found him walking down the road, and he wanted to go to Dixon, and I took him there. And I had other uh, foster kids with me. And uh, he said, well, pick me up here tomorrow. He said, because I want to come over. And I said, well, you call me from this phone booth, and I will. He said, "Uh, can you give me money for cigarettes? And I said, you don't have any? And he said, no. I said, no, I can't. I think that was about the last thing I said to him. Mm. And uh, in that night, he went and stood in front of a train in Dixon and was killed. it was so sad to see that happen to a 19-year-old boy, you know. And I took one of my other foster sons. He had come to visit me. Um, his family, this boy's family knew him so little that when we went to the funeral, they were playing, they asked me what he liked for music. And he had set it all beside the tracks, the the uh, tape player and the music he liked. So I handed it to him. I said he likes Enter Sandman. And the preacher laughed, he said, that was devil worship music, and he laughed. Um, Then we went to the graveside, and he never said his name. He just kept saying, this poor, unfortunate young man. And finally, it got the best of me. I stood up and I said, this poor, unfortunate young man's name was, and I told him, I said, he could fish with a pin and a string and catch a fish. And Tom is telling me, please sit down. (laughs) Uh, I finished what I had to say, and then we left. But um, I just felt so bad for him. When he was released from custody before me, when he was released from the group home, his father brought him a lady of the night. I mean, what kind of life is that? You know, what are they doing to their kids?
1: I think a lot of our people at church don't realize... How many people live an entirely different life?
2: If they grew up in the church, they definitely don't. Yeah, you know everything's always been sweetness and light for them. They they don't see all these things.
1: I mean, even that story of a prostitute. Like, a, I don't know how you find a prostitute. I know how to find drugs in Dixon. I know how to find a lot of bad things, but I I don't. I don't even.
2: I don't know how you do that either.
1: Two, I can't imagine a world where you think. I know what I'll do. I'll bring one home for the family. Yeah. You know, and just how many levels of... Sometimes we forget that we've kind of been in a Christian bubble, and when that bubble pops, man...
2: And now we've been working with a lot of guys in the rehab from drugs, and it takes a lot to not fall apart. If you get too, too close, you fall apart. Um, Like... You know, Tom had one a few weeks ago that uh, someone called and said he was supposed to be somewhere. And he was from Oklahoma at that point. He had just come here to see his father who was dying. And uh, actually, he died three days after the boy did. Uh, They said they hadn't heard from him. Would he go over and check him in the motel? We didn't even know he was in town. And Tom found him dead, and it, it just tore him apart. You know, because he had so much hope for this boy, you know. And we have had victories, things that have won our hearts that did well. There's a boy that's buying his house now. He got married. He's had a baby. He's gotten custody of his older children. He's done a real good job. But somehow those ones that fail hit you hard. Oh, yeah. You know, and there's a lot of them.
1: Well, to love is to open yourself to risk and pain and I mean, there's just no way around it. I want there to be a way around it.
2: Yeah. I think everybody does. Yeah. But if you don't work with any of that, you don't understand it. Yeah. You just don't. And I probably don't completely either because I was never an addict. You know, I don't know what that's like. Um, I was very fortunate. Uh, My parents were both alcohol addicts. (laughs) Uh, Beer when I was six or seven, I'd be out playing and get thirsty, run in and uncap the Ballantine bottle and take a swig and then put the cap back on and go out and play. Yeah. But as an adult, I don't even like the taste of it. I don't like the taste of wine or whiskey, so I'm happy with my diet Pepsi, you know. I don't want that stuff. But I had a child that was addicted. My sister had a child that was addicted. Um, It runs in families. It definitely does.
1: And it's sometimes easy all of these situations are messy and they're hard mm-hmm. and it's two steps forward, one step back. No, it's two steps forward, three steps back, you know, and it's just yeah. easy to, it's easy to give up. Yeah. So what's kept you from giving up?
2: I don't know. God, that's it. He's always been there for me. There's always been an out. There's always been something. And when that boy was killed, I went out in the woods and just screamed a Y I never thought there wasn't a God or he was being evil because I don't think he made that boy stand up there. That was his choice. When my daughter passed away, it was a little bit easier because the church helped me. They took care of me. Um, and I think God understands those people and why they do what they do. Yeah. I don't think they're bound for hell. Uh I don't think they're bound for heaven either. I think it's up to him whether they do or they don't. But
1: God knows what he's doing, and
2: he's good. And he knows when they can't handle it, and they just have more than they could handle.
1: Tommy Marvin said to me one time that there is no instinct in an animal stronger than its survival instinct. How has your faith changed over your life?
2: A lot. A whole lot. I've put my faith in God and not in man. And that makes all the difference in the world, makes all the difference. Because if you're leaning on people that are in your congregation and you think that's what's saving your life, believe me, it isn't, you know, and they're going to fail you. People fail you. That's just the way it is. I fail people, you know. I was not the perfect mother. I'm not the perfect wife. I don't know why he's put up with me for 52 years. It's a bit strange, but he has. Yeah,
1: I think you should keep him. You think? I guess. All right. It'd be a lot of work to trade him in at this point.
2: I did tell you I tried to go on Plenty of Fish, didn't I? No. Because I heard it on on that catfish show. Yeah. And I wanted to see what they did, but they wanted all my information. I thought, this isn't going to happen because they'll send me all those things. I don't want that.
1: I knew that this conversation was going to be the most fun yet. Just, okay, leave. (laughs) We've had a tornado come through. We've got a cell phone <laughs> that started farting at us while we were. And and I don't know what else is going to happen, but we really probably should cut our losses and, and just go. But Carol, is there anything else you want to say before we're done?
2: Nothing I can think of, but thank you.
1: Well, thanks for being with us. And friends, thanks for listening so much. Um, if you enjoyed our time together, I hope that you'll share this uh, with someone who will enjoy it and benefit from it and not be put off by how insane we all are. <laughs> but until next time... I look forward to seeing
0: what God's up to in your life. Thanks for listening to Rough Drafts. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. While you are at it, help us spread the word by leaving a rating and review. Until next time, let's keep looking for how God writes his love into our stories.